Hello, Gaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsor. The IGMNX podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. The Pragmatic Solutions player account management platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modular platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. And now here is today's podcast. Future trends, deep insights, industry leaders. This is the iGaming Next podcast with your host, Pierre Lindt. And welcome to the iGaming Next uh, podcast. Uh, today with us, Matthew Chadwick of uh, GVC, Head of Politics. How are you doing today, Matthew? Great. Thanks for inviting me, Pierre. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's a very current topic today with the um, election, uh, the U.S. Oh. election, just a couple of days away. Um, and uh, what better person to uh, make predictions and uh, talk uh, about what is going to happen in this election than the head of politics for for GVC? Um, I wanted to uh, to start off by mentioning. I think that whatever your political belief or affiliation is. Um, as, a, as a bookmaker in this election, you really want Biden to win next week. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> almost every similar bookmaker in the world must be feeling the same way because the punters that uh, our customers are just overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly wanting to back Trump. So far this week, about 60% of the money we've taken is for, for Trump. And that's been the pattern for several months now. Yeah, um, and I, I, I saw your I saw the presentation you did the, the other day with the, with the EGBA when you when you talked about this uh, the discrepancies between uh, Trump and uh, Biden and where the punters are putting their uh, money. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Why, why do you think that so many people are betting on Trump? I mean, there's a number of ways of looking at this. I mean, it's really just, a, in my opinion, just a very this is mostly psychological what's happening in this market when you see the, the prices move up and down they're usually not connected to any polls or anything's actually happened in the real world um what we've got in my opinion are groups of people who just share different sources of information and a lot of this is driven by social media people living in their own bubbles of confirmation bias and there are a huge huge group of people out there who think trump's going to win who don't care what the polls say they are incredibly confident he's going to win. They are, yeah, we are taking money on Trump to get over sixty percent of the vote to win every state. There are a lot, well, you know, there are people back in this sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, and they're not really interested in evidence or polls or the kind of um, information I would look at to set the odds. And on the other side, you've got the kind of liberal side of politics, who are terrified that twenty sixteen is going to repeat itself. Who are traumatized by the fact that Trump got elected in the first place. Mm. Who, even if they think that the polls are probably right are just too anxious to let themselves believe it ahead of time. And those people aren't correcting the market by backing Biden. So you've got these two things pointing in the same direction, leading to what appears to be in a completely skewed market. If you compare the, the odds to where the polls are, yeah, you know, they're just light years away. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think the most prominent like poll uh, aggregator would be like uh, 538, uh, right? Project 538. And yeah. they, they have um, they have Trump's chances of winning at 13%. Um, yeah. And and the, and the betting at the moment is saying 35% chance of Trump winning. Yeah, now, in 2016, you know, the 538 model was very closely aligned to where the odds were. Um, it was the, actually, the, the model gave Trump a slightly better chance of winning than the bookies did mostly. So you'd have done well by following the model. Yeah. But this, this year, um, they're separated by this huge gulf of 20 or 30% of probability. And yeah. I mean, you know that if you had a model which, you know, predicted sports results and was 20% away from the betting markets, well, it's a hopeless model. You can throw it in the bin, right? It's, you can't possibly be that far away and be accurate. But this yeah. time around, I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah, exactly. So, so that begs the question a little bit. So, so five three eight, they are obviously basing, uh, base, basing their win probability for uh, for Trump uh, completely based on what the polls are saying, right? Um, well, almost or? exclusively. I think they have a few okay. other variables to do with the economy and so on, but mostly now it'll it'll be to do with the other polls, and in particular the polls in the individual states. Mm. Okay, uh, but at the same time, I mean, from your end as a as a bookmaker, you have to uh, you 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 have to take an objective look at the entire uh, entire culture and election and everything that's happening around it, which is a bit a bit more subjective, so, so to say, than what five three eight potentially can uh, can do to get like the true odds uh, and and understand the true picture of the uh, election. Like um, when when you look and when you when you try to understand the true odds of of the outcome of the election do you what other variables other than the the polls do you take into consideration well i'm one of those people who overwhelmingly just want to see what the polls say i mean if you want to try and work out how people are going to vote the best thing yeah. to do is ask them how they're going to vote and try and get a representative sample and so normally in elect there are quite often elections where the polls and the betting differ a little bit that's that's normal yeah. uh normally i would my personal punting point of view and my professional point of view take the side of the polls and yeah. I think that generally turns out to be the the more effective efficient way of doing things um but I mean there are other things you can think about in this election I mean particularly you can think about what's going to happen afterwards if yeah. it's very close because if there's a contested result I mean you could argue that Trump is in a better position to turn that to his advantage given that he he's the president and uh Republicans control the Senate and now they control the Supreme Court effectively yeah. Uh, so maybe you should build in things like that. Uh, you know, maybe that makes one or two percent difference to your estimates of what's going to happen. Um, but as for the other factors that I think people are building in, notably, there seem to be a lot of people who think the polls are simply going to be wrong because of their shy Trump voters. Um, mm. I'm massively sceptical of most of those other explanations of why the polls might be wrong. Yeah, because that would be that you would be able to kind of uh, factor in that uh, if that would be a true bias, you would be able to factor that in, especially in comparison to what the polls said in 2016 and what the actual uh, results were. So that would be easy to kind of count away. But what, what I'm thinking more is like, you know, this cycle is so different from uh, other cycles in the in the sense that we are right in the smack middle of a pandemic. Uh, that yeah. uh, might scare away certain demographics uh, to vote, but other demographics might be more inclined to vote. And I mean, it's also a it's also an election cycle that is completely different in many other ways too. Even without the pandemic, it uh, seems to be the most polarized uh, election uh, that uh, there ever was. I mean, in a lot of in a lot of ways. And uh, uh, you know, you have one side who is uh, trying to discredit. Uh, uh, 
you know the the entire system as it's uh, with the ma mail-in voting for example trying to discredit people from using that system and th then the question is how is uh, how is that going to affect kind of the, uh, the, 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 the there might be various demographics who would be more likely uh, to to vote and other demographics that are less likely to vote is yeah. that something you factor into or I mean I think it's fair to say that those factors you just mentioned to do with um, the pandemic mm. and to do with the change in voting habits people voting by mail more often it looks like I'm going to have a much bigger turnout than usual yeah um, it's fair to say that all adds an extra bit of uncertainty to, to what we're looking at. So if you had a model which didn't account for that, mm. uh, then you might say, well, yeah, perhaps you should be a bit less confident about the fact that you think Biden's going to win. And I think some models, to be fair, I think the 538 model has essentially added a bit more uncertainty on just to try and reflect that. Other mm. ones won't have done. On the other hand, as you mentioned before, the kind of increased polarisation of the US electorate um, that might make you more confident that the polls are going to be right because it seems less likely that anyone's going to change their mind. There's a smaller pool of mm. um, persuadable voters. And this is, I mean, there was a model that The Economist have been released several months ago, which has always been incredibly bullish on Biden's chances. And one of the reasons is that they said, we're in an environment now where it's just very, very hard to change anyone's mind. People are divided into two separate camps. There are very few undecided voters compared mm. to 2016 at this stage. Yeah. There were still quite a lot of people who hadn't, apparently hadn't made their mind up, and those people broke for Trump. Uh, this time around, it doesn't seem like that's a possibility. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point you were mentioning, because in, uh, in the 2016 election, I think at this point there was um, a huge amount of, um, of undecided voters at this stage, whereas, uh, like you're saying now, then uh, at this stage, at the moment, there are very few uncertain uh, people. People have made up their minds already, and, and a lot of people have already voted. That's the... Yeah, exactly. We, we yeah. may have half the population may, of people who are going to vote have already voted, so there's no chance yeah. of them changing their mind, obviously. No. And, and uh, I think yeah, this is a bit of a misunderstanding from the general public uh, that uh, the polls in 2016, um, you know, the, the, they were actually pretty accurate, right? Like a lot of people think that they were not, but they were actually pretty accurate. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, they, they are, I mean, Trump overperformed a little bit, but nationally, mm. not by very much. I mean, the, the final polls were, on average, saying Clinton would win by about 3% nationally, and she won by mm. 2%. So that's yeah. pretty good. Uh, they were certainly out in a few of the really, really crucial states, especially in the Midwest. But it's worth remembering that pollsters look at that and they say, well, how did we get that wrong in those states? Mm. They make some corrections. In particular, they, they didn't, it appears they didn't have enough white people without college degrees in their samples so they right. either try and find more of those or they upweight them um yeah. which will in theory solve the problem and in fact in previous elections in the uk we've seen that when pollsters try to correct for past errors mm. they tend to overcorrect. and then in the next election you find that the, the the bias has gone the other way so i certainly don't rule out the possibility that biden could end up beating the polls yeah uh, and uh, like on the polls themselves now, because I mean, um, if we go back a couple of uh, decennia uh, when uh, everyone used their phone, which is, I guess, the most reliable way of conducting a, a poll. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then we fast forward to today. Uh, if you want to have this like uh, this uh, wide range of the demographic that exists in society and carry out the polls in the in the best possible way, the, um, how accurate do you think that? Uh, polls that are able to 
conduct these polls now with this in mind that it's just so difficult to get people to pick up their phone. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's got more difficult for pollsters because it's harder to get in touch with people. People are less um, open to the idea of speaking to cold callers about anything. Um, on the other hand, if you look historically at the patterns of polls versus results, um, the average error hasn't changed at all. You know, polls are about as accurate now as they were 10 mm. or 20 years ago so the idea i mean a lot of people have got the idea that they've got much worse because we had a couple of surprises recently yeah. but actually on average across various countries both seem to be uh, doing about as well as they ever have yeah exactly so, the, so uh, in the end of the day the 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 surprises that we've had is still within the error margin within the polls i would think yeah exactly you have a couple of close elections i mean the, yeah. the ones that people talk about a lot with the brexit referendum in the uk and mm. trump's win well, they were pretty close. The polls weren't yeah. very far away in either case. It's just the polls were, they just switched the other way and you get a different result and that creates yeah. a huge headline. When you have elections where people forecast to win by 10% and they win by 15%, well, that's yeah. quite a big miss, but nobody will ever talk about that ever again. Yeah, exactly. But but that begs the question, Dylan. So, I mean, at the moment, I think uh, I think uh, Biden is polling ahead like 9% or something like that in, in, in average, uh, and which is, I mean, in itself pretty remarkable that the gap is so big. Um, but so, so, so with the polls being so consistent for so long, um, and uh, the odds are still... Uh, like you as a bookmaker are still putting 37% chance for for Trump. Is that completely attributed to the fact that the betting volumes are so big on Trump or is there other factors too? Uh, no, from our point of view, it's just a question of, you know, I believe the odds we're putting out are totally unrepresentative of the real probabilities, which doesn't <laughs> happen very often. Um, yeah, because 70% of the money we take on an average week is for Trump. That's how, how it's gone this week so far. Mm. Um, and you've got to choose a, you know, tread a fine line between saying, well, we really want to lay Trump because we think his price is way too short. But on the other hand, even a large organisation like GVC doesn't necessarily want to lose tens of millions of pounds on the outcome of one election or one anything, one soccer match. It would very rarely be in a position where that would happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got the prices where we think are managing our risk and also taking advantage of what we think the prices should be. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that, that's the reason why the prices are where they are, not because we think these are what the true prices of what's going to happen are, but because uh, we've just got to manage this kind of slightly exceptional market. Yeah, true. And what was, if we compare this, um, the betting volumes of Trump now in 2020 compared to 2016, uh, because I remember 2016, the odds were much uh, uh, lower on uh, Hillary to win at that time. Yeah, they were much closer to where the polls were. Uh, so it was that also a reflection of the betting volumes, or were the betting volumes still uh, skewing towards Trump? Yeah, I mean, I think most bookmakers lost quite a lot of money on Trump in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the market was skewed towards him, and we we came into this election with a very strong prior belief that the markets would overrate his chances compared to the polls partly because that's what happens in every election these days if there's a populist or nationalist candidate on the ballots we always mm -hmm. find that the betting market skewed towards them um, there's a very strong belief among people that those kind of parties do better than the polls suggest yep. there isn't really any evidence for that sometimes they do but mostly they're mm -hmm. about accurate uh, so we kind of thought this would happen yep. although i must admit i don't i didn't think it would happen to quite the extent that it is right now and partly it's because even back in 2016, I can remember us taking some 
very large bets on Clinton. Um, there was still plenty of people willing to um, back her. And yeah, this time around, you know, I've seen reports of a few big bets being placed with other bookmakers. There seems to be slightly less of that business around to try and hold up the price a bit more. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I mean, uh, so, so I mean, it's so interesting that you, like you're saying, it's so rare that you see an event, a sports betting event, that uh, where the reality is so skewed from. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Pierre. The, the best example that people yeah. have given, and I think it's actually quite an opposite one, was the fight between Mayweather and McGregor. And McGregor, yeah. away. That's very because, true. I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about boxing or UFC, but I, yeah. I remember at the time. Every expert in the world said, this is insane. Mayweather should be 1.1. But the wave of public money for McGregor, which is so huge, the bookmakers couldn't couldn't keep the price where they thought it should be. They had to, um, you know, there was a lot of hedging going on there because there were, people were getting multi-million pound liabilities on the result of this one weird event. Mm -hmm. And you're in a similar situation here. Everyone who knows anything about polling or political science or markets yeah. says Biden is the greatest bet of all time. Mm -hmm. um, but the overall market doesn't care because the wave of public money the other way is just is just too strong. Yeah, exactly. When people bet, uh, when people bet on their feelings, uh, you know, rather than uh, rather than reality, like that's that's when these type of things happen. I, I remember Conor McGregor and, and Mayweather as well because I I, I I I I'm in the martial art world quite a lot, and we oh, talked yes, okay. a lot about this actually, exactly what we were talking about uh, now. That the odds were so good, even even one point one to uh, Mayweather would have been uh, incredibly good odds as well because. I mean, we're talking about the best boxer in the world ever, and against uh, against someone who had never. Yeah, I mean, just uh, fight, you know? <laughs> going a bit of a tangent here, but I remember the best argument I heard for the other side was that actually Mayweather financially might have been better off losing that fight because then he could have engineered a an even bigger, more expensive, more lucrative yeah, rematch. Yeah, uh, that's so I suppose you had to have that at the back of your mind, but I don't see that. Uh, <laughs> no, exactly. Biden's got any incentive to lose this election. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it would be more maybe if he was injured or something. I think that yeah, would be. Mate, yes, that's you know, always, there's always that side of possibility. And of course, yeah, nobody's that's... saying Trump can't win this election. I mean, if we get a exactly. a polling miss, a, the 2015 UK election is this kind of the best example of we had incredibly stable polls for months before that election, yeah. saying it was going to be a very close election, and the Conservative Party ended up winning by seven points. Yeah. Now, if Trump gets that sort of polling error in his favour, and then the Electoral College works out in a way favourably for him like it did last time, well, yeah, sure, he can win. But that's anyone yeah. taking, uh, you know, thinking that's a 40% chance is that, well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it seems to be a, a, it seems to be an extremely slim chance for him to actually win the, uh, the public vote. But uh, his, uh, the electoral vote worked in his favour in this case, right? Because uh, you don't necessarily need to have more than 50% of the votes in the US to win the election. So you just need to win the key states, so to say. That's our, yeah, I mean, I think it looks as if he, if he was to get within, let's say, three points nationally, mm. he'd have a pretty good chance of winning from there uh, because, yeah. the, as you say, the votes, the geographical spread of his votes is just a bit more efficient for him. Yeah, and the, the, um, exactly. And the Electoral College, it favours uh, the, the Republicans in general, right? So you, the Democrats... Well, at the moment, I mean, yeah. you know, a couple of elections ago, it probably was slightly tilted in favour of the Democrats. And if the Democrats okay. start winning Texas... Yeah. Uh, then, in a sense, their vote becomes more efficient. But uh, we'll true. See. Do you think they have a chance of taking Texas? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do. I mean, I I, yeah. I back them. I mean, I think um, two to one or bigger is a fairly big price. You look at the incredible levels of turnouts that are being reported. Early turnout in Texas. Mm. 
in uh, most of these are major urban areas. It's really quite hard to see how that that is going to work out in anything other than Biden's favour. Um, the polls are close anyway. There, I mean, the average poll Trump's got is only just over one percent. Yeah, it's one percent. Um, uh, incredible, like to, for such a red state generally. Yeah, uh, but I mean, people have been saying for years that um, because the non-white population is increasing very rapidly in Texas, mm. particularly uh, Hispanics, uh, that that was eventually going to work out in the Democrats' favour, and sooner or later they would win it. Uh, yeah. So perhaps it'll come around this time. And also they had, do you think also it can be attributed to, they had the Senate race uh, recently, uh, yeah. or was it two years ago, with the, uh, like a really popular Democratic candidate. He didn't win, but uh, it seemed that he really opened people's eyes up to... Uh, to yeah, I mean, Beto O'Rourke got very, very close to being Ted Cruz two years ago. And yeah. in some ways you'd say Joe Biden is a easier candidate to sell than Beto O'Rourke was. Um, mm in texas so you know you can't expect biden to do maybe slightly better yeah exactly i mean if if the democrats would take texas then uh if if texas would turn blue and, and stay blue then the republicans will have really difficulty to take the presidency in the next generations i mean if they if they were to lose that state yeah that's a good point because it's just hard mm. to see where they're going to get those votes back from unless yeah you know, unless the Midwest and the East really start swinging heavily in Trump's in the sort of Republican favour, mm. which you might do is it becomes proportionally a bit more white than the rest of the country, um, then yeah, they do seem to have a big problem. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a it's, it will be so interesting. I think we learned so much from this election. I mean, the, uh, what do you think uh, now, Matthew? Uh, the, another thing that has been spoken about now is uh, the election is on Tuesday, obviously, and um, because of the much larger amount of mail-in ballots uh, that uh, has to be counted, uh, they think that the, um, it might be the results of the election might be delayed for some time what do you what do you estimate like when do you think we'll have an actual answer yeah somebody else was asking me that today i mean it's impossible yeah. to say we, we on the one hand we want to pay people out as soon as the results beyond any doubt yeah. i'm hoping that you know <laughs> by wednesday morning biden will have won florida and north carolina already and it's more or less over and we can pay out very quickly yeah. but as you say a lot of the states that are going to be very crucial here have a um are likely to be take quite a long time to resolve their results. Pennsylvania has mm. been one that's been talked about. Yeah. Um, so it's certainly not impossible. We could be waiting days, even weeks in 2000. It took weeks to sort that election out. Um, exactly. So if it's close and it's contested, mm. um, then we, we could be waiting for all sorts of constitutional and legal objections before we know who's actually won. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could take time. And I mean, I, I would assume as well that you, I mean, this is something you must think as well about, I guess, uh, um, if the race is fairly close, uh, then you would think that Trump is going to try to uh, stall or uh, kind of try to steal or stall the election as much as possible. I mean, he's not, it's unlikely that he's just going to def like accept defeat if it <laughs> no. turns towards that, right? Is that something you factor into the... Uh, Odds as well. Yeah, I mean, not that it changes my view of the odds, but I mean, you do, yeah, if it's close, you have to worry about that sort of thing. I mean, a lot of people have said that if that happened, if if Biden's, if everyone can see that Biden's actually won, yeah. but Trump is managing to stop mail-in votes being counted on some legal technicality or something, in fact, most of the Republicans in any position of power, the Senate, for, for example, even though they've been, you know, fairly loyal to Trump over the last four years, I've, you know, people have said that actually these guys are not going to let Trump do that. 
they will stick to they will know that this could destroy the republicans for a very long time if they try to you know quote unquote steal the election so yeah you've got to be slightly worried about it but i think the probability of that happening must be very very small yeah yeah it'll be interesting i mean the other argument as well that you could say is that the the republicans have sold themselves a bit to trump uh, during the during the last four years uh, and you could also argue that you know without trump that they are also um uh, going to face kind of uh, questions from the public like uh, how you could <laughs> kind of side with certain things uh, during the four years and so forth when, yeah, how they move away from the original um yeah i mean if, if trump does lose and lose heavily then it's going to be interesting to see how the republicans yeah cope with that whether they can just wash away the last four years pretend it never happened or whether yeah. uh, you know four years time it's hard to say who's going to be the candidate is it going to be someone else a bit like trump or a more as it were normal senator yeah. or governor of someone i don't know yeah exactly so this is this would be interesting to uh, to see right because it's it seems like the um, the republican party will take either of the two directions like either it will be a new generation taking over republicans who are perhaps a little bit more uh, uh moderate um uh, like um the previous uh, candidate now i lose his name yeah romney uh, and romney yeah, it's like a more yeah. moderate way like romney um uh, or perhaps they will move even more towards like the tea party type uh more extreme right and kind of uh, re like have a trump reincarnated uh, candidate yeah, what, what do you think be... i mean you follow well, this for could... a long time yeah i mean they could find themselves in a difficult position because the actual mm. the republican electorate the people who yeah. vote in primaries to decide who their candidate is going to be they trump is a big part of the cultural identity of these people now or at least a lot of them mm. it's gonna be quite hard to swing these back to just some normal conservative jeb bush or marco rubio type candidates yeah. um they're going to be you know if you turn up and you're i don't know it could easily be donald trump jr couldn't it or some other yeah. similar type Trumpist candidate. I mean, I've had one bet on 2024 already. I've bet Tucker Carlson, who's a Fox News anchor, <laughs> yes, Fox News, yeah. <laughs> quite a um, influential commentator these days. Who's, I guess you could say, fairly Trumpy in most of his views. Um, yeah. And I've heard a few people saying that he's thinking about running. So, yeah, that would uh, yeah, exactly. It would be some a candidate like that, perhaps. Yeah, someone who is more in the public eye as a political uh, uh, commentator. But then you, you, then you also need to want that job. You know, like if you're a tackle cards on, you know, like behind the scenes, you have a family or whatever. Like taking that job is not so straightforward, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, <laughs> it'll be fascinating to see. I mean, on the other side, actually, it'll be fascinating to see how people react to the possibility. Of, well, whether Biden assuming he wins he's going to be the candidate in four years time because you know there's a lot of people on the right certainly say there's absolutely no chance whatsoever of biden being around in four years time mm -hmm. um and it'll be kamala harris or some other person um so that'll that'll be another interesting contest yeah 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 it will be for sure uh, i mean uh matthew you've been You've been covering uh, uh, political uh, uh, events for a long time. I read your bio. It was you covered the first political uh, rally in 2008 with with um, when Obama obviously took mm. the presidency in the in the US. Can you um, kind of uh, make any comparisons to these four elections uh, cycles that you have uh, covered? Like, uh, how is this different? Like, uh, and uh, comparison to previous elections, is it more difficult to predict easier, or like, uh, do you see any distinct differences? Um, I mean, just professionally, it's it's just got a lot bigger. I mean, there's an awful lot more money bet yeah. on these events 
now than they were for Obama one four years ago. I mean, in a way, I'd, I'd like to rerun Obama v McCain in the current climate because I think uh, at the time there was another there was another situation where the polls were clearly pointing to Obama winning, but at that time there was a very large body of opinion that says, I don't care what the poll says, the Americans aren't going to elect a non-white candidate. Um, mm. So I don't know if people have got over that yet. But has he got any more unpredictable? Um, I mean, I think Trump himself has added something just completely different. Mm. Uh, he's such an unusual candidate. Um, and, of course, he's just got so much worldwide fame and notoriety and interest surrounding him that I think he personally is the reason why this is going to be the biggest event betting event or biggest political betting event of all time um yeah i hope it'll still be as exciting in four years time well, i suppose trump could be there in four years time but assuming it's a couple of other candidates um <laughs> but i'm not sure whether joe biden versus mike pence would create such <laughs> so much hype yeah exactly uh yeah there was someone who uh, i spoke with a friend the other day who said that uh uh, you know, if uh, whatever your political belief is and, and whatnot, uh, at least Trump has made uh, politics uh, in the public eye. You know, people know the difference between the presidency, the House, and the Senate now. Uh, and um, but someone else said as well, like uh, that they really wish that politics become boring again. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's going to be interesting to know what what people are going to talk about and bet on after after Trump. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so, so if we go back to the to the start now, Matthew, then, um, so so five three eight has the election at around thirteen percent for for Trump or so, fourteen percent. Um, what would you would you agree that if you would guess the true odds, like uh, would you agree that that would be kind of where the true odds are, or would you agree more with the Economist's uh, estimation, which is more like five percent? Well, 5% seems incredibly confident, right? I mean, if somebody offered me 20 to 1 on Trump, yeah, of course I'd back him. Mm. Um, I think there's just a bit too much uncertainty. You referred to earlier with what's happening with the pandemic. Mm. This creates a completely different environment. Um, you know, if you, we were talking before, I mean, if you just said, if you took the names away and you said there's a candidate here who's been ahead in the polls for months, mm. is nine points ahead, there's four days to go, half yeah. the population have already voted, well, he'd assume he'd be at least a 90% chance of winning. Yeah. Um, so the fact that the betting markets are still set at 35% chance of Trump winning is is still mind-blowing yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, taking uh, the, even the Conor McGregor uh, fight, uh, was uh, even though the odds were skewed, they weren't skewed that much uh, in comparison to what we are seeing uh, now, right? Like, this must be an event that is unprecedented when it comes to, like, skewed odds. Is there anything you're I mean, politi going to Politically, the only other example I can think of is the 2017 French presidential election, okay. where the betting markets were acting as if Marine Le Pen was, let's say, about four or five points behind Emmanuel yeah. Macron in the polls, yeah. whereas in fact she was 25 or 30 points behind Macron in the polls. Yeah. Uh, and she was a sort of four to one shot when you think she should be a 50 to one shot. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. That, was a, that was a weird disparity, uh, mm -hmm. but that's the only one I can think of that comes close. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> and and how how big is this event for uh, for GVC in general? Is uh, and especially comparing to volumes previous election cycles. So I think we've had double twenty sixteen, which was the previous records for oh. a political betting event or any yeah. non sports events. Yeah. Um, I think there's a good chance it will be the biggest single event we take market that we trade this year. Wow. Normally, um, for UK based bookmakers, it would be the Grand National, but that didn't happen this year. 
So okay. I think there's a good chance that this will be number one. It'll be bigger than any single soccer match or any yeah. um, single horse race. And yeah, as I said before, it's quite unusual, even for a company our size, to have a, a one-off event where you could, where the swing between winning and losing will be many, many millions of pounds. Mm. Um, you know, it's not going to make any difference to the share price, but um, it's yeah, it's it's going to be uh, a big day for everybody in the trading department. Yeah, 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 that's for sure. Um, yes, uh, thank you so much, uh, Matthew, for uh, for coming on the, spontaneously uh, today and discussing this. It's, uh, it's uh, really interesting to, uh, to yeah, hear no your thoughts uh, on this. And like I said, it's uh, something that I'm personally following really closely as well. And I've, I've wondered throughout this process, like I said, uh, why uh, the odds um, on the better markets have been so close when in reality the uh, the polls are saying so so different. So yeah. uh, really interesting to, that you clarified it uh, <laughs> for us, actually. So, so yeah, so th thank you, Matthew, and um, I wish you a, a good weekend, and, and uh, let's uh, see how this uh, goes now in a couple of days. The world might be different in one way or the other, and uh, we'll see if the, uh, if the bookmakers are happy on uh, Wednesday morning <laughs> or if they are gonna uh, cry to be crying to work, so. <laughs> okay, right. well, thanks, Pierre, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> this fruitful discussion has been brought to you by our sponsors, Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. Is your business struggling to keep up with the development demands on your current gaming platform? Well, then it's time to upgrade to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Multi-tenant, multi-currency, multi-regional, API-based, rule engine automated, regulation ready. It's all here out of the box. Smart businesses leverage Pragmatic SaaS model and license powerful modern technology for a fraction of the cost of in-house development. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. Stay safe and take care.